Hey, bowlers, you're listening to Bowl After Bowl episode 24 on Friday, March 13th, 2015. Doing things a little bit differently today. Uh, actually, got the sad news that my good buddy Big Rob passed away a little more than two weeks ago. Uh, you may have remembered back about a year ago, uh, we used some of his tracks, the first time transition pieces, and uh, he's got a few tracks on the show, episodes five and six, I believe, so... Uh, this is one of his tracks that we're going to open with today, and we're just going to let the whole thing play out. This is the last song that he posted on his SoundCloud. Uh, if you look him up, he's uh, Ridiculous, R-E-D-I-C-U-L-O-U-S. Uh, you can find his SoundCloud here. This is called Love. It's crazy that that's the the last track that we had for him on his SoundCloud. Uh, love is the answer, you know. That's that's a great. Uh, yeah, love is the answer. It's a great statement. So we have a few things to talk about today. The main thing that we want to get to is a uh, kind of a legislative update, right? Just a just a summary of all the bills because there's ten different bills that we've identified uh, that are in some way pro cannabis bills. Um, 
But we're not going to talk about all of them. We're just going to talk about the ones that are moving forward. So we'll be talking about the ones that have passed out of their committee already. There's four of those that just passed on Wednesday. Uh, but first, we're going to do some local stuff. Uh, give you a recap on our scotch tasting. That was our first fundraiser for Midmo Normal. Uh, we did it at the Grand Crew. I had a hell of a good time. Yeah, it was a smashing success. And uh, pulled in over $1,500 that stayed in-state for uh, Missouri legalization efforts. So uh, that's a great success. And uh, we want to thank everybody that came out for that. Yeah, and a big thank you to uh, Show Me Cannabis for sponsoring and helping to advertise the event, and Grassroots for giving us our first place poker prize, which was this badass silica recycler. Yeah, it was definitely awesome. It was an awesome time. Great prizes, great fun, great people. And, uh, you know, we hope to do it again. So just keep an eye out on the, if you like the Mid-Missouri Normal page, you'll see upcoming events uh, and different things. You know, we're going to definitely try and do this again here coming up. And maybe next time we'll do a uh, tequila tasting <laughs> or, a, you know, bourbon tasting. That'd be kind of fun. Most definitely. So Chadwick is back in the news again a little bit. She uh, she was poking at Jake Loft. Yeah, Chadwick, I'm not really sure what her motivations are, what her uh, interesting little logic is in the, in the political spectrum, but... Uh, Everyone's scratching their heads over this latest outburst. Uh, Mark Flackney of Keep Columbia Free recently uh, found out that Chadwick was running a whisper campaign against uh, Jake Loft, and uh, she's been going to the uh, Boone County Clerk's office and trying to spread rumors about uh, Jake Loft being illegally uh, soliciting potential donors to register to vote. Um, so under federal election laws, you know, you can't offer people money as a condition to register to vote or to promise to vote for you or anything like that. Of course, Jake Loft is not doing that. Uh, Jake has what, like $263 in the bank or something, according to the KCF blog post. So, and you know, he's only had $700 pledged to his campaign. So there's not, it's not like he has a bunch of money to walk around handing out to people registered to vote. And uh, Jake Loft also is not an idiot. He would not be running around doing that. You know, he understands the election laws. He understands that that, you know, not only is completely unethical, but it's illegal. And, you know, Jake Loft is not going to stoop to that level. But Chadwick sure will stoop to the level of making completely uh, unfounded accusations and uh, running around trying to meddle in the campaign. It's really interesting because the the first word is pretty much rounded, roundly rejected her as um, a leader and as a voice. And yet she still tries to poke her nose and everything and uh, try to manipulate the outcomes. So we can only watch and see what's going to go on. Um, you, you can see after the, after the blog post she took to Twitter to cryptically make more accusations. You know, she said, uh, sad to hear that uh, Jake Loft is doing unlawful things in his attempt to win the first word seat, something like that, and then said, she also says, here, that's not the only illegal thing you do. Just making these wild, like, completely baseless, no evidence backing up accusations. And um, just uh, leaving us all kind of wondering what is up with this woman. What is going on? What must be going through her head? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of crazy. 
And she better be careful, because she might get libel slammed on her if she keeps this up, keeps making shit up about people. Um, I mean, I think she just has a sore spot because Jake was part of the campaign to get her recalled. <laughs> right, definitely. Jake collected a lot of signatures during that recall. And, uh, I mean, if she wants to make him pay, that's <laughs> this is just not the way to do it, I, I think. I don't know. Uh, if but, anything, I mean, I think she's helping to draw attention to his campaign right. by doing this. <laughs> yeah, it just seems pretty wacko, pretty wacko. But uh, we'll see how that develops and kind of keep you updated on that. Oh, strange scenario she deleted her twitter after she made all these <laughs> oh right yes so just just a few minutes after she made the last uh heard that's not the only illegal thing you do um remark she deleted her entire twitter account so if you go to uh try to find at jenny chadwick you, you will not find it uh of course jenny forgot that screen caps are a thing <laughs> and uh so we have all of that it's not like we, you know, can't just grab the screen cap as it happens. And for those of us in the local scene, <laughs> we've been doing this long enough that we understand if someone says some absurd shit on uh, social media, you're going to want to screen grab it because, you know, chances are they might come to a realization in an hour or two once or the next morning when they sober up that, wow, that might have not been the most intelligent move and try to backtrack and delete it. But, you know, once uh, you put something on the internet, it's out there. It's out there. And once you say something in public, it's out there. And you can, you know, backtrack and you can say, well, I didn't mean it or I meant it this way or I was misunderstood, but you still said it. And it's still out there. We have a record of it. And uh, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out what what are you doing? What exactly are you doing? Uh, what's the purpose of all this? So, until further notice... Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep you updated. Just keep an eye on Chadwick. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what she could do next. Um, moving right along to the legislative update uh, is my notebook here. I have my cheat sheets in my notebook here. We have uh, 10 bills that Lorian has taken the time to write up uh, numerous details about, provide links on. Um, not all of these bills have really much of a chance we see. For instance, uh, <clears throat> uh, House Joint Resolution 15 by Brandon Ellington. It was read twice in the very, very beginning of January, early in the session. Uh, it has one co-sponsor, but no scheduled hearing, and we don't really expect. That's a, that's a joint resolution for full legalization, so it would set up a full legal system. Uh, we don't really expect a lot of action on that. Um, it's just hard for you know a young Democrat to get much through. Uh, a Republican-dominated uh, House. And then also uh, Maria Chappelle-Nadal's uh, SB 560 would also fully legalize cannabis in Missouri. It would allow possession up to an ounce and license retail stores and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, also interesting of note that I saw in SB 560, it sets a uh, sales tax at 12.9%, uh, which is a bit lower than some of the proposals I've seen in the state so far. Uh, no hearing is scheduled on that either, but it did have its first read on the second of, or on the twenty sixth rather of February. So, uh, while I guess it, there's there is a realm of possibility uh, where that maybe could get through, I also don't see like I don't see a full legalization bill plowing through the Senate this session. 
Uh, but there are four bills in particular that we do want to dive into that uh, all passed out of committee on Wednesday. So it was a super win on Wednesday. There was four bills that passed out of their respective committees. Um, I guess the first one of the day that we know of was, uh, and the one that we went to was the Jeff Mazansky bill, uh, mm-hmm. Shamed Dogan's bill, HB uh, nine seven eight, and uh, that passed eleven to one out of the corrections committee. Um, as a number of co-sponsors, I believe uh, five co-sponsors. So it's a it's a widely supported bill, uh, bipartisan bill. There is a Democratic uh, co-sponsor as well as. Uh, for Republicans, and then Dogan, he's a Republican as well, the, the main sponsor. It's now passed on to the House Select Committee on the Judiciary. So if you contact the members of that committee um, and ask them to uh, pass it out of their committee with a due pass recommendation, um, that would be extremely helpful for Jeff. Although we do see, we do anticipate that this will pass. We don't really see... Um, heavy opposition, let's say, to this bill. Uh, most people understand that, you know, Jeff's been locked up for 21 years and counting, and uh, that it's just really imperative that we get him home and we get him out. Now, a few of the committee members actually went to visit Jeff before the uh, the bill was heard, and I thought that was totally commendable of them. Um, Definitely. You know, there's no reason why this great-grandfather should be sitting in prison over a plant and uh, they all got to meet him and you know put that human touch to things and realize wow this is an incredibly cruel and unusual punishment and uh yeah i'm i'm thankful that they did their research and uh pushed this bill along yeah me too uh it's funny too because it's not it's not like one of us trying to visit him you know when a member of uh the house calls up on the phone. They say, yeah, come right over. So um, they were able to get in with pretty much minimal notice. And, you know, if you or I tried to see Jeff, we'd be on a three-month waiting list. Like, he'd probably be out before we could get in there to visit him, you know? Right. Um, no, I, I do think it's disappointing that Governor Nixon didn't take the time to just grant clemency to him like we've been asking and that we have to go through all these extra steps and... You know, I, it had come up in the committee of like, is this really our place to free this man? Well, if the governor's not going to do it, someone has to because this is just ridiculous. Right. Um, another bill that passed with only one no vote was the hemp bill, HB 830. Uh, that was sponsored by Paul Kurtman uh, with a number of co-sponsors. I believe that there's three on that, three co-sponsors. Uh, it was voted due pass by the uh, Economic Development and Business Tr- Attraction and Retention Committee. That's a definite mouthful. <laughs> uh, but Caleb Browden chairs that committee. and um, That passed, I believe, 9 to 1? Um, maybe maybe 10 to 1. I know, I know that there was only one no vote on that. So um, another bill with wide support there. It's now in the House Select Committee on Commerce. So uh, for industrial hemp bill, it would be beneficial to contact the members of the select house select committee on commerce and ask them to pass that bill out of their select committee uh, with a due pass recommendation that bill would basically uh, legalize the industrial production of hemp for things you know such as it wouldn't be the active uh, 
cannabis that you smoke, obviously. That would be uh, hemp primarily made for the fibers um, to make paper, to make textiles, to make uh, uh, different things like that. Even hemp seed oil, things like that. Um, you can find at health food stores. Uh, makes a nice cooking oil. So that would be the type of thing that would be legalized under this uh, HB 830. And I know a number of people <clears throat> testified in favor of that bill, including a former uh, state representative, uh, also local business owner, uh, Tom Smith, mm-hmm. owner of the Who Hot and the uh, Flat Branch, yep. uh, both. So uh, that's that's the HB 830. That's what's going on for industrial hemp. We also had HB 800, the medical cannabis bill. Uh, that's sort of been getting the most attention in the news and in the press for okay. a number of reasons. Uh, one being that uh, former talk show host Montel Williams was one of the people that showed up uh, to testify in support of the bill. Uh, interesting testimony. I was there and able to watch it uh, in person. And, you know, Montel said a number of different things. And, um, you know, I don't really want to come out f- fully swinging against the guy because he is... Uh, you know, testifying in support of this legislation, in support of these bills. But I think it's important to keep in mind that this guy is a paid professional actor, uh, that this guy does have other dispensary business interests, although in this testimony he claims he walked away from all of that. Um, But there's a number of problems uh, that I have. One is that he's very uh, anti-homegrow, and there's no homegrow provision in this bill, in this uh, HB 800. Now, we advocate a home grow for a number of reasons, but the main reason being that often people with a chronic medical condition have a lot of medical expenses, and they also have a pretty low ability to work and do any work. So often you'll find that people with chronic illnesses are also quite poor, and it's hard for them to get a sustainable income going. You know, most of their income is welfare-based, uh, this is not necessarily anything of their own doing, you know. It's just <laughs> when you have a debilitating condition, it's hard to find work. It's hard to get out of, you know, the house and uh, do anything if you're in pain or if you're, you know, immobile. Um, and so that's the kind of situations we see a lot. And th- we believe that these po- folks ought to be able to grow their own medicine at a far reduced cost as compared to going and buying it from a dispensary each month. Uh, another thing is that we want to be able to license caregivers in the event that, you know, if these people are also too sick to work, they're probably going to be too sick to grow their own medicine. They're going to probably be sick to, to, too sick to tend a garden, you know? So, uh, licensing, uh, caregivers would allow them to appoint someone that they know and trust to grow their medicine for them. And, uh, you know, this can all be done in a nonprofit way. Uh, and, and a number of states have already done that. You know, we saw when we went to the SoCal Cannabis Cup, we toured a grow from a, a, a registered caregiver there in California. So we, we've seen how that system works. And it's, uh, I mean, if you call it Compassionate Care Act, it doesn't get much more compassionate than, uh, you know, your side hobby is to grow medicine for sick people. You know, that's 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 my <laughs> I mean, that's the definition of compassionate in my mind. So any compassionate medical cannabis law is going to have 
a caregiver provision, and it's going to have a home grow provision. Uh, Montel seems to be, think differently. During his testimony, he said that uh, uh, he doesn't know of anybody who grows their own medicine. Uh, and, you know, I don't either, but that's a problem. I mean, I know people who grow... I, I do know people who grow medicine for patients out in California. But then he turns around and... Uh, tells the committee that he has three personal caregivers in different states. Right at right you know, right after he poo-poos the idea, he says, I have three personal caregivers because I want to make sure that my medicine is good medicine. And uh, it's kinda hard to reconcile reconcile those two positions. You don't want caregivers, you don't want home grow, and yet you have caregivers who uh, you know, to quote him, are his personal growers. So he has personal growers, but he doesn't want you to have personal growers. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of his testimony just to sort of bring it back and, re and remind everyone this guy is an actor. Do you remember the television show Touched by an Angel? Remember that? Della Reese, right? My brother Downey. I was scheduled to play a guest-starring role in that show. And back then, I was the only character that played on that show that at the end of it, the angel didn't save. Matter of fact, they let me burn and die. And I was this character that was Jimmy Jones, and I had this whole thing where and I had a cult, and I was going to burn all the people in my cult. Well, as I flew out there, this was a Friday morning, I'll never forget this line. I had been working out really hard, I got on a plane that Friday morning to fly out to arrive in Utah to be fitted for my wardrobe at 4.30 in the afternoon. My first scene was Monday morning. I got in that airplane, my feet went off fire, and it never got out. I sit here and my feet burn. My feet burn so bad that that weekend I had to go to the doctor because I had a scene to play that Monday morning. And the doctor saw me over the weekend, couldn't figure out what was going on. By Monday morning, he looked in the face and said, I think you have an S. And the pain was getting worse. And I had to go over because I was under a contract <coughs> to go play the scenes that I was contracted to play. You go look that episode up, you'll notice that in this episode, I'm crying a couple times. And the director, all the other actors were amazed at how I could just cry at the drop of time. But it was because the second I let my brain feel this, this it does to me. Now, from 1981, 1999, 2000, to about 2002, I went through the gamut of every... So yeah, he goes on to talk about, uh, you know, how he went through a bunch of different painkillers and uh, nothing really worked, and then he found cannabis, which, you know, we've heard this story a lot of times. We've, we, it's, it's very believable, but it's just kind of crazy how he... He cleverly like outed himself as an actor who has an amazing ability to cry on cue, but then also diverted it to, you know, it's because I have MS, it's because of this and that. Um, but if you look up uh, Montel's TV appearances, it, it doesn't usually matter what he's arguing for. He uh, he almost always has the, uh, the that, that cry, that same cry in there uh, as part of his thing. <clears throat> and it's just kind of... Uh, 
It's just kind of strange. The thing is strange. And it makes you wonder where the money's coming from, you know what I mean? Uh, it makes you wonder, uh, you know he's not out here for free. You know he's, uh, and he's, he's working on a documentary about, about this struggle, but, um, I mean, the guy is known to, you know, his, his talk show got shut down 2008, I believe. And since then, he's sort of been a spokesman for hire, you know, just a spoke, just a mercenary spokesman. He's been a spokesman for the VA. He's been a spokesman, uh, most notoriously for Money Mutual, and has been a spokesman for payday loans and payday lending, predatory loans. So, uh, I guess, I guess, my advice to the cannabis community is to take uh, this guy's. Um, testimony I guess you would say with a grain of salt and always be looking at you know where's the money coming from who's going to benefit and uh take a look at you know the law as it stands and we want to make sure that there's home grow we want to make sure that there's caregivers we want to make sure that people can actually affordably get their medicine uh and those are really important things to the bill uh I don't think necessarily any one of these things is a deal breaker in which we would actively campaign to kill a bill like this but it's important to let people know that it needs to be in there and um you know uh jason grellner actually testified later on and uh sort of said that you know the the bad parts of this law people uh people are going to sue to get changed afterwards and uh you know that's that's pretty much uh, it's pretty much an option for us. You know he's not wrong in that. So uh, you know the, a law that passes that we don't like is not the end of the world. Just like the laws right now that we don't like are not the end of the world. All of these laws can be changed. That's what we're doing every day. That's what we're that's what we're advocating for every day. That's what we're working on every single day is to change these laws. So the idea that once one bad law passes that it stays that way forever is absurd because you know we know that. If that's the case, then all, all of our time is a wasted time, you know. Uh, if that was the case, then we couldn't change the law right now. But uh, the law is ever-changing. There's, you know, sessions all the time. There's uh, opportunities for ballots, ballot initiatives. Uh, there's opportunities to challenge in court all of these laws, uh, the constitutionality of these laws. So, um, you know... The, the, any any one of these things is not necessarily cause to kill uh, any one of these bills. And I think that that's important to point out and have a discussion about. Now, um, House Bill 800 is starting to gain a name as being one of the most restrictive medical cannabis uh, bills. And it has this stipulation in it that uh, to get a license for a cultivation center um, or a dispensary, you have to submit a application with a non-refundable fee of $12,500, and you also have to provide documentation proving that you have $500,000 in liquid assets. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not sure how many people have that, and it's, I don't know, I think that's incredibly restrictive and disappointing. Right, absolutely. I mean, if you're saying to a uh, potential business owner, well, you have to take a five-figure gamble just to get a license. You have to throw away five figures. Six figures. Well, five. You have to throw okay. away with the application fee five figures, and you don't necessarily know if you get that back. Now, if you the, the half a million in liquid assets, 
that's not a non-refundable thing in that, you know, you can say, hey, this million is in the bank, and then if you don't get the license, the money's still in the bank. Right. But this 12 and a half K... You're not getting that back. You're not getting that back. They can take your money and then say, no, you don't qualify, and keep your money. And then uh, that's just ridiculous. That's not a gamble anybody's going to try and make in this state unless... Unless they already know ahead of time that they're going to get the license, you know, through some nefarious means. Uh, it's it's absurd to think that someone would put that much money at risk without a sure shot, you know, without sure knowledge that they're going to get a license. So these are things that definitely have to be addressed. Um, and, you know, to, for for these Republicans to run around touting that this is the most restrictive medical cannabis law in the nation. What what the fuck? Are we California? Are we Massachusetts? What is this restrictive uh, extra-legal shit to be proud of? We have one of the loosest alcohol regulation systems in the entire country. We have one of the loosest tobacco systems in the entire country. We have the lowest sales tax on tobacco in the entire nation. So why then, why are we breaking from Missouri tradition things that we are proud of, uh, breaking from our freedoms, breaking from our, you know, show me attitude, you know. I don't understand. I don't understand why we would be proud to have the most legally restrictive, hyper-regulated system in the entire nation. That's not what Missouri is about. That's not what Missourians want. That's not what, you know, that's, that's just absurd to me. That's absurd to me. So we need a better medical bill, and we need to have not the most restrictive medical bill in the nation. Uh, just, I, I don't understand the politics of that. Um, I do understand maybe it calms down people who are hysterically afraid of cannabis. But I think that, you know, it's 2015. We're rolling into 2016 next year. States are falling to legalization and to medical legalization rapidly. And... You know, the fear campaigns, they're all dying out. The DEA is desperate enough to say stoned rabbits are on the way. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing left to whip fear up about because the more people that look at cannabis and enter that world and see what it's all about, the more are going to know it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, you know, we are running around with Percocets and Vicodin legally prescribed and we can't even grow this plant. That is that has never killed anyone ever over an overdose. So you know, I'm I'm just baffled. It's I, I'm baffled by the strategy on this uh, from representatives, and it just kind of smells to me like a lot of outside influences come in on this. You know, mm -hmm. um, but it's up to the people to remind legislators, uh, remind legislators rather, where we live, who we are, and that. Uh, the most restrictive medical bill in the nation belongs in Massachusetts or it belongs in Cal uh, California or it belongs in Illinois. It doesn't belong here in Missouri. Uh, Missouri, we, we like our freedom and, uh, you know, we're proud to have that freedom. And it should, and that should apply as well to medical cannabis and, you know, uh, cannabis for any use, any use. It shouldn't matter why you use it. It should just it should just be legal for use. I mean, strictly recreation. I don't even uh, consider myself a recreational user either. You know, uh, I'm not. I don't smoke and then go to the gym. You know, like I don't understand the recreational thing. 
uh, I think that it's been said that all use is medical use, and uh, I think that there's some, you know, sage advice to that. Uh, there's some insight to that. People forget uh, what medicine really is, you know, and it doesn't have to be uh, save you from cancer medicine, you know, like medicine doesn't have to be like, oh, you're about to die and now you're not dying anymore. Medicine at any level, it just, it makes you feel better medically. You know, it makes you feel, it makes you healthier. It helps combat symptoms. If you are tired and stressed and then you smoke and relax, that's a medical use of cannabis. That is just plain fact, medical use of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Uh, people take muscle relaxers, well, cannabis can do that safely. People take Tylenol, which is acetaminophen, which is poison. And people pop two of those when they get a headache. We smoke some cannabis. That's medicine. It's not going to kill your liver. So, you know, we just really need to be having these conversations, not only with our legislators, but, you know, with our moms and our dads, with our grandparents, with our teachers, with our boss. God forbid your boss knows that cannabis is not a dangerous crazy shit um you know just have these ominous conversations with people one-on-one -on -one and start planting those seeds early because in 2016 we're gonna have a big vote on this you guys and we're gonna want that yes vote and it's up to you it's up to you on the ground to change those hearts and minds uh we do want to run through one last bill for you this is on the senate side i believe yes senate bill uh 386 that would expand the CBD law. So last year, a CBD law passed. Uh, the only qualifying condition was intractable epilepsy, which That is means that you have to go through uh, three anti-seizure medicines that don't work before you can use the CBD. Which right. Is, which is kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. It seems like it's like a nod to the pharmaceutical companies, as in like, you know, this isn't going to cut you out of your little scam. Uh, but then people can get actual help after they run through the gamut of the uh, ineffective drugs. You only need a 20% effective rate uh, for a drug to p pass FDA approval. So that means four out of five people could say this medicine doesn't do shit for me and it can still get FDA approval. And so that's why you see patients who have tried every single pill on the market and are still looking for a cure to their problem. It's because... Uh, well, you know, it's a number of factors. Uh, pharmaceutical companies want to isolate one little thing so that this pill does one thing and nothing else, whereas cannabis is such a versatile versatile medicine. It does so many things, uh, anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-pain. Um, you know, it has analgesic effects, but it also has uh, appetite stimulation. Uh, it does a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the, re the relaxation and the calm that you get mentally is also something that you can't necessarily get out of pharmaceuticals today. Um, and, you know, if you want to manage seven or eight symptoms, you've got to take <clears throat> seven or eight pills for those symptoms, plus probably four or five more to counteract the side effects from those pills mm -hmm. versus single medicine with cannabis. So it's no wonder why there's so many interests pharmaceutically against this. But uh, anyway, I, I am rambling. This, this Senate bill would add a number of uh, extra conditions, extra qualifying conditions to the CBD oil bill, uh, including cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, hep C, uh, Tourette's, Parkinson's, a bunch of different things. So um, I'm not exactly sure uh, the science as to whether CBD uh, only oil helps 
these conditions, I understand that, you know, um, active cannabis oil with THC and CBDs and all of the other, uh, you know, hundreds of, uh, hundreds of chemicals that are in cannabis, the hundreds of cannabinoids that help you, uh, I understand that, you know, all of those working together what cures a lot of these debilitating diseases, but the CBD-only oil, you're basically talking about hemp oil. You're basically talking about something that does not have active THC in it. And uh, while it's while I'm all for an expansion of this law and uh, looser restrictions on, these, on the CBD oil law, it definitely doesn't stop there. And uh, I worry that a lot of these patients with cancer, glaucoma, HIV, hep C, are going to try and get CBD oil and maybe find that it's not working, you know, it's not, because it's just, it's a plain fact, it's not, it's not the whole medicine, you know, it's just CBD, mm-hmm. and that's shown a lot of uh, promise for epilepsy, but it hasn't, uh, to my knowledge, shown a lot of promise for a lot of other things. Uh, I'm not really sure, you know, the, the, the cannabis that cures cancer I know is uh, things like Rick Simpson's oil, which is a highly concentrated, very powerful, uh, super THC activated uh, uh, tar, basically. It's a, it's a very dark, thick oil. And that is what you'll see people, like say people who have skin cancer and rub it on their skin and pull their, skin, uh, pull their tumors out a couple weeks later. Uh, they're using that, and they're using THC-active medicine. So, uh, it's, it's a shame that people are afraid of THC just because they think that, oh, that's going to get you high. Right. Like, okay, you take painkillers at the hospital and you get high off of them. So I don't, I'm not sure I understand what the fear mongering around this is. And I think CBD oil, it kind of works against us. If it's CBD only legislation, um, people need the whole plant for medicine. Um, you know, CBD is not going to help everyone. And, uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate that sick people still have to wait and suffer for their medicine because we can't all just get on the same page and you know agree that cannabis helps absolutely yeah uh so as far as that bill goes SB 386 um it's I'm not sure what committee I could not find what committee it's in now but it was voted to uh, do pass out of the uh, Agricultural Food Production and Outdoor Resources Committee on the Senate side. So uh, we'll be taking a look at that bill as well and keeping you updated as to who to contact and um, who to support. But really, I think our main focus right now is if we can get this uh, 800 expanded, and even if you call uh, your legislatures and you call the members of the committee that are working on it right now. Maybe even uh, make a call to uh, the bill's sponsor, although I'm not sure you know, how much good that would do. Uh, people are pretty protective of their legislation. But the, the, these people in Jeff City need to hear that Missourians aren't down with the most restrictive cannabis, uh, medical cannabis law in the nation, that that is the opposite of a selling point for us as Missourians. Uh, we don't have the most restrictive laws on pretty much anything here. Uh, I can't think. I can't think of a law. If you think of one, please email me at spencer at bullafterbull.com. Or if you have questions or comments about the show, uh, just shoot, shoot me an email. You can also reach Lorian 
Yep, lauriennapoolafterbowl.com. Also, uh, keep an eye out for some Bowl After Bowl stickers that are going to start floating around uh, downtown Columbia and wherever else we may go. You'll probably see them at the Capitol as well. Um, and if you'd like a Bowl After Bowl sticker for yourself or your car or your laptop or whatever you want to stick it on, uh, shoot us an email or tweet at us and we can send some your way. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, checking out the legislative update and the new updates. We are actually on our way to Lake Ozark uh, tomorrow for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. We'll be marching in that along with Show Me Cannabis and some uh, Lake of the Ozark normal people. So that should be fun. Uh, we'll have updates from that maybe Sunday or Monday to, uh, over the weekend. So anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to leave you now with another uh, beat from my buddy Big Rob. Uh, goes by the DJ named Ridiculous on SoundCloud. You go to soundcloud.com slash ridiculous, and he spells it R-E-D-I-C-U-L-O-U-S. Uh, this track is called New Class Clown. It was uploaded six months ago. So uh, much love to you bowlers, uh, much love to my buddy Big Rob, keeping it down for us up there in the sky somewhere. I know he's up there watching. And uh, for all you bowlers, may your bowls be never brighter. <laughs>